Amen. Hey, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, worship team and main team and Mary team and any other teams that are out there. Thank you, teams. Uh, but we have, a, uh, we have a good week coming up in front of us, a good week to remember the goodness of God. Well, hey, uh, we are, you're joining us. If you're listening online later, you are finding yourself in part five of nine of a series we're calling Good to Know. And what we've done with this series is we kind of imagined ourselves kind of coming up to a, a room with uh, one of the wisest men ever to walk the, the face of the planet, King Solomon. And King Solomon has pulled his son over and kind of recognize that there's a time when he needs to share some info with his son because the next stage of his life is coming. He's kind of pulled him up to the table, so to speak, and we kind of envision Solomon sitting with his son talking about some things that over time are just flat out good to know. And what he said to him so far in the the first part of the the chapter of Proverbs 3, where we are, is mostly good things. In fact, one of those verses, many of you, if you've been in church for a little while, you may have memorized. It's a verse that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He'll make your paths straight. It carries this idea of, listen, just trust God, things are going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be okay. I mean, all this stuff you have to know, you just trust God. Lean not on your own understanding, trust Him. And by and large, that's what Solomon is saying to his son, like, lean into God. Now, last week, for the first time, last week, we caught Solomon telling his son, son, things aren't always going to be awesome. He said, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke. In other words, when there are setbacks, when there are things that are hard, when there are things that are difficult, don't resent those moments. Don't ignore them. And don't try to get away from them as quickly as you can because it's in those hardest moments that you will learn the most about who you are and who God is. And we said, we admitted, we don't know, I don't know when God's discipline comes or when it's just simply a hard time. I simply don't know. That's above my pay grade. I do not know what God does relative to discipline or not. I simply can't understand all that. But I do know hard times come. And here's the question we asked last week to kind of catch us up to speed. We asked, God, is there anything through this hardship that I need to learn about you or about me? Rather than trying to figure out, is this hard time discipline of God or not? I don't know. But what I can do is I can ask this question, God, is there anything through this hard time that I need to learn about you or about me so that I do not despise it and run away from the hardest time and therefore lose the best lessons of life by running too quickly from the pain that I'm currently in? Now, here's another question, and here's a question this week. I don't know if you thought about it this way, but think with me for a minute. If, if there is a a loving Heavenly Father who teaches you the most about who you are and who He is through pain... Do you really want to follow that God? Come on. Isn't there a better way? And the answer to that question is yes for many people. In fact, many people that you know have said, seriously, you are going to follow a God who's going to teach you the best things about life by allowing some of the hardest things of life to come your way. Your God allows what he could prevent And you think he's good? Why do you follow a God like that? Like there are other ways to learn some great things about who you are than that. Why is it, if I'm Solomon's son sitting there listening to his father, I might ask the question, Dad, come on, aren't there other options? Aren't there other ways that I can learn some of the best things in life? Why do I have to sit under the instruction or the hand of a loving father who apparently allows things that he could prevent? Come on, isn't there another way? It's a question everybody asks somewhere along the line. Some of your friends are asking that right now, and I've already answered it by saying yes. 
In fact, I'm going to pursue something else. Yeah, I know that my parents went to church when they were young and whatever. I was taken to church, but I'm interested in something else. And here's what we know. Before we answer that question about is there another way, we need to identify a couple of things that are true about life in general. And the first one is this. I mean, there's many things that are true, but the, think about this with me. We, all, we know this. We all pursue something, right? We all pursue and chase after something. This is why some of you went to college to chase after something. This is why some of you avoided college so you could chase after something else. This is why some of you have left a relationship because you wanted to pursue something else. This is why some of you started your own business because you wanted to pursue it a different way. We all pursue and chase after something. It's just the way that we're wired, just the way it is. Now here's what we also know, that the things that we pursue change as we mature. Not as we get older, but as we mature. The things that we pursue change, right? Like I used to, as a two or three or five year old, I was cool with like, give me matchbox cars and I'm fine. Like truthfully, like I'm fine. Even just the box they came in, we can figure that out and we can have a good time. And that's really all I pursued. And what I, I wanted the next matchbox car that came because that was the maturity level that I was at as a two, three, four, five year old. We understand that. Now as things, as I get older, I get into middle school and high school, if I'm still hanging out in the matchbox car world, Right? You're wondering a little bit about my maturity. Because why would I pursue the things that aren't going to help me with the issues that I'm facing right now? And here's the reality. As we mature, as we get older, the weight of life's issues become more significant. And all of a sudden we wake up and we realize there are big questions in this universe to answer that Matchbox cars simply cannot answer. There's more to this world. There's mysteries, there's pain, there's struggle, there's difficulty, there's identity questions. There's a weight of questions that your soul wants answers to. And so the question we have to ask is whatever you pursue, whether what you pursue is instead of, let's say, instead of pursuing a loving Heavenly Father who allows pain, if you were to step back from that and pursue something else, you have to ask the question, is that something else going to be able to, let me put it this way, what can you pursue that can bear the weight of your soul? Because only that is worth pursuing. So if I step back from faith in God, and I step back from pursuing him as a loving Heavenly Father who allows what he could prevent, I by default am stepping into pursuing something else. Whether that is being the wealthiest businessman in my community, or whether that is being the most influential leader that I could be, or whether that's becoming the most relational and well-known and well-connected person that has ever walked the planet. And if you were to achieve the greatest expression of anything that you might pursue, the question has to be asked, if you were to be the greatest whatever that you were pursuing, in that space, will that be able to answer and handle the weight of the biggest questions that your soul has about how in the world you even got here and where you are going and how you handle the pain that will still come? Because we all pursue something. And so... I think Solomon is sitting around the table with his son and saying, son, some really hard things are going to come. And you're going to ask the question at some point, is it worth following a God who allows hard things? And before you walk away, before you pursue something else, I want to remind you of the value, of the wisdom of God. And so he continues talking to his son. And we get to see it in Proverbs chapter 3. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 3, kind of right in the middle of your Bible, right after the Psalms, you'll find the Proverbs. 
And Proverbs 3 has been where we have been hanging out, and we are in verses, we're going to start at verse 13 and wrap it up in verse 22 today. So Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 13, is where we will be. And I, I hope that this is a helpful walkthrough to see again why it might be worth continuing to follow a loving father, even who allows things that he could prevent. But let's read it, let's see what Solomon has to say, and you can be the judge for yourself. Verse 13, I'm reading from the New International Version. Solomon says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Let's pause right there for a minute. First, look back with me at verse 13. Solomon is talking again to his son, right on the heels of the idea of not despising the Lord's discipline. So he says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom. So immediately we see that wisdom is something that is found, it is sought, it isn't just given. It isn't just something you stumble into, it's something you actually find. And we have to ask the question, what does wisdom actually mean? And I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but I think it's helpful to flesh out what this means, and it helps clarify what this looks like. So when you think about wisdom, the the Hebrew, and, and the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew ideas or constructs around the word wisdom and the mentality of wisdom is a very practical, very hands-on expression of a practical life lived wisely, smartly, prudently. In other words, wisdom is, I'm going to put it this way for you, wisdom is knowing how someone with God's character would act in every area of life. Wisdom is knowing how someone who has the character of God, biblical wisdom or God's wisdom, is knowing how would someone with God's character act in every area of life. And this is a Hebrew imagery. They didn't use this language, but I'm going to use it, but that is this. How do people act in the town square? How do the business leaders lead their businesses? How you make decisions in your business, the wisdom that you have or don't have, am I thinking about the character of my God? How would he act if I'm the CEO, the CFO, the leader of my organization? How, is, how would God act if he had control of my business? That's a wisdom question. It's not just the question of what are the, the future projections. That's just understanding and knowledge. You need to understand what may be coming in your market But now, how do I take that and wisely, prudently take that and flesh that out here in front of me with the people whom I serve in my business? That is a biblical wisdom issue. How do you lead in the arts if you're in music or singing or whatever it might be? How do you flesh that out? What does it look like to lead into that arena, to create beauty around us in all kinds of ways? What, what should you do? What does God's character look like through the arts? What does God's character look like through your, your friendships, your relationships, of all the ways that people interact in the town square and all the places you find yourself? Hebrew wisdom is, we don't care what you know. Like, we don't care if you're the smartest person in the room. We just want to know, like, can you take the things that you know about God's character and actually apply that into the space that we share with you as a business leader, as a neighbor, as a roommate, as a teammate, classmate, whatever it might be. And this is the challenge. And so here's what we learned about biblical wisdom. 
and Hebrew wisdom, that, that wisdom is actually incredibly valuable. And, and wisdom is actually more valuable than... I'm going to fill in the blank with you. Look back at verse 14. For he goes on. For she, meaning wisdom is now personified, she is more profitable than silver, yields better results than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Kind of over and over again, Solomon says, listen, wisdom is more than, it's more than, it's more than gold, it's more than silver, it's more than rubies. And then he says, at the end of verse 15, nothing you desire can compare with her. So wisdom is more valuable than wealth. Wisdom is also more valuable than power. Wisdom is more valuable than reputation. Wisdom is more valuable than accomplishments. Wisdom is more valuable than influence. And we could go on and on. What do do you desire? (laughs) See, this is what Solomon is looking at his son eyeball to eyeball and saying, listen, if if it doesn't catch you that wisdom is more valuable than gold, silver, and rubies, all that you have desired, just think about the best that you could desire. Yep. Wisdom, it's more valuable than that. The reason that wisdom is more valuable than that, we know this is already true, that wisdom can lead to, fill in the blank, all the things we just filled in the blank, wisdom can lead to wealth, wisdom can lead to power, wisdom can lead to influence, wisdom can lead to accomplishments, right? But it doesn't work the other way around. Wealth does not necessarily lead to wisdom. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't actually mean you're wise, it just means you have a lot of money, right? Can we confirm that is true? We've known some not wise, wealthy people, right? Just because you're influential doesn't mean you're wise, right? It just means you're influential. Have you ever seen reality TV, right? You can be influential but not necessarily wise, right? Just because you've accomplished a lot doesn't actually mean you're wise, and it certainly doesn't lead to wisdom. It just means you've accomplished a lot, but it could have been easily cutthroat and careless and really not wise in how it was done, right? So we, we know that that wisdom actually can lead to all the things that we want, but it never actually works the other way around, right? We know that. So wisdom is more valuable then, but wisdom is also more useful then. It's more useful then. So you, you know this is true too. Like, you, <laughs> you ever been in a relationship with somebody and you're trying to figure out where do we go next? Do we take the next step? Do we, do we you know, whatever, do we get married? Do we, you know, have the, define the relationship talk? Do we, whatever, you know, post it online and make it official on wherever we post now? I don't know, social media, Snapchat, whatever. Anyway, do, do we do the next thing, whatever the next thing is? And you, you know this, like, especially if you're thinking about getting married. No one thinks, well, I don't know, let me go see how much money I have before I can make that decision. I mean, wealth doesn't help you make that decision. Power doesn't actually help you make the decision. Wisdom does. If you're a leader of your organization, you're trying to figure out who you're going to hire for another uh, lead position in your company. You sit around thinking, I don't know, let me just count my money before I make the decision. Wealth doesn't help you make good decisions like that. I mean, your power doesn't help you make good decisions. Influence doesn't. Wisdom does. Your kids come to you late at night, and you you try to put them to bed, and they come crawling up to your bed or whatever, and they come, come over to you, and you're like... Hey, can you tell me where babies come from? Like, yeah, go talk to dad, you know, over there. Hey, wealth doesn't help you answer these questions. Influence doesn't, power doesn't. And then when they grow up a little bit and they ask other questions, like, I don't know, like I'm struggling to think there really is a God because he's pretty silent. It seems kind of quiet to me. I just feel like I'm praying to the ceiling. You know, what, what is up with that? You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have or influence or reputation or accomplishments because that doesn't help you with that. And wisdom is more useful then. Not only more valuable then, it's more useful then. 
And so Solomon's sitting across the table from his son saying, hey, before you walk away, when life gets hard and when things happen that are extremely difficult, you're going to pursue something. And the something you're going to pursue will go in this blank. You're going to pursue power or wealth or influence or accomplishments because you're going to be frustrated that God didn't answer. And before you just run off and pursue what's in the blank, just remember that God's wisdom is more valuable than and God's wisdom is more useful than any of the other things in the blank that you can fill. And so whatever's in the blank, if that's secondary to wisdom, and we all know, then it doesn't make sense to use our best efforts to chase what's second best, right? Like it doesn't make sense to use the best energy you have to invest in what is second best. You know, if you're having people over at your house for a meal or whatever, you're going to host them. And you realize, kind of late in the game, this is going to happen. You might have forgotten, but just happened to say that. You have about an hour until people are supposed to come. What are you going to spend that hour doing? Let's say there's a pile of clothes that need to be ironed or a, a home that needs to be picked up. Now, how foolish it would be. I mean, what are you going to do with the clothes? You're going to jam them in the closet because no one comes to see your closet. You're going to throw the clothes in the closet and clean the house. But how foolish would it be to be like, shoot, people are coming. I need to iron all my shirts. You don't, because we just know that. It. That's a dumb idea. You don't give your best energy to what's second best because we're smarter than that. And so why would we give, why would we give our best energy to pursue what's second best to wisdom? Why would you give your best energy to pursue wealth? Why would you give your best energy to pursue power or accomplishments or influence if it is less valuable and less useful than the wisdom of God? That's what Solomon is saying to his son. Now, that seems pretty smart. If you ever had a conversation with a child or if you ever been a child, you ever sit there and you have something to say and you think it's really brilliant and you know that the person across the table from you is just kind of staring right through you? You're like, do you understand? Like, yeah, I understand. Hey, yeah, that's great. That's great. Hey, can I have another cup of water? I mean, like, no, like, I don't think you're tracking with me. Now, I'm not there with Solomon, but I almost think that he's looking across eyeball to eyeball with his son and like, I don't think that you're really getting it yet. I don't think that you really understand how valuable and useful God's wisdom is. And so it's almost like he says to him, okay, son, let me kind of shift gears a little bit. Do you remember that time we took that trip and we saw the waterfalls? We went to Niagara Falls as a family a couple years ago. Remember when we saw the falls? Remember how powerful they were? Remember when we went to the, to the cabin and saw the sunrise over the mountain? Remember when we went to the beach? I hated the beach, but we went anyway. You know, people like the beach. Remember seeing the beauty of what God has made? Remember that? Kind of let me ask you, son. How much money do you think you would need to create that? Who do you think would have the capacity to build that? If you could get all that you ever wanted for your business, for your future, for your relationships, if you get all that you ever wanted, do you think that all that you could ever want would ever be able to build what we look around and see is incredibly beautiful? And look where he takes his son next. Verse 19. He says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place, and by his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. He's saying, listen, look around you. Like, if you don't believe me that wisdom is more valuable than and more useful than, just look around you for a minute. 
Do you think you could ever build what God has made with the best that we have here? It's by wisdom that God made what we have. And so he's saying this, kind of the backwards way of saying, is that abandoning wisdom, if you run from wisdom, abandoning wisdom runs against the very nature of the world in which we live in. That running from the wisdom of God, because things get hard, and I don't know if I can trust that God who allows hard things to happen, that running from that wisdom goes counter to, against the grain of the very world that we have right in front of us. And it doesn't make sense to do that. We can look around and see the life of God through what he has given us and what he has made. And then he takes it further. Verse 21. He says, My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight, for they will be life to you and an ornament to grace your neck. You see the verb he chose in verse 21? He says, preserve sound judgment and discernment. In in other words, son, in looking at the world, you see the wisdom of God. You're never going to be able to recreate that. In other words, let let me take some pressure off of you. You don't have to come up with all the great ideas. You don't have to be the one. Who is the only source of wisdom in your marriage, for your children, in your business, in your community. You don't have to be the one to have all the great ideas. You just need to preserve what God has already made available to us. You're just preserving what God the Creator has made. See, often we get, we get ideas and we think they're great ideas and you know, we're trying to run into you know, solution to this problem or that problem or whatever. And often our ideas are pretty good, but often, if you've ever thought about this before, often our first ideas to problem solving are not actually the best, right? They're just first, right? Like the first solution I have to solving a problem at home usually isn't the best. I usually throw my idea out to my wife and she's like, hey, that's, thanks for helping me start coming up with a real solution for it. Now, here's what we actually should do. It doesn't quite go like that, but she's a little more gracious. But, so my idea might spur a better idea for her, and, and it's in that that I realize, you know what, I don't have the capacity for all the great ideas in the universe. I have a first idea, but first ideas are simply first. They may not be best. And here's what, what Solomon's saying to his son. You're going to have all kinds of first ideas about how you should lead, how you should serve, what you should do immediately, immediately. You, do, you don't have to create everything. Preserve it. Lean into it. God has made this world. Lean into him for wisdom because his wisdom is more valuable than and more useful than anything else that you could fill in the blank. And so the question I would have for you and for me, as we think about the the spaces that we're filling in in our lives, if I'm not pursuing the wisdom of God, and if I think that it's too hard to follow a God who allows these things to happen, will what I pursue... Will what I chase after be able to build what God has built in the best expression of it? Or, put another way, will the things that I pursue really be able to handle the weight, the questions, and the weight of my soul in truth? It's a hard question. So here's, here's what I ask. As I think about this situation, I, I think of someone like Job and if you know the story of Job, you know the pain and suffering he went through, the loss of family and all that. He lost his family, lost his possessions. And what Job ended up saying, though you yet slay me, though you slay me, yet I will trust you. And I asked the question, come on, seriously, Job? And I think he knew what Solomon was saying. 
Like if I leave, if I leave God, if I leave the creator God of the universe, where exactly will I go? If I, if I leave this avenue, where will I go? So even if he were to slay me, I will still trust in him. Because we all pursue something. And if God's wisdom truly is more valuable then and more useful then, then there is nothing else that I can pursue that will be greater than the wisdom of God. And so then I have to ask this question, and that is this. How would someone with God's wisdom and character act right now? How would someone, if I'm going to pursue the wisdom of God, how would someone with God's character act right now? If wisdom is the act of acting out God's wisdom and his character in my workplace, in my family, in my friend circles, in my marriage and with my children, how would someone with God's character handle the stress that I feel right now? How would someone with God's character handle the resentment that I feel right now? How would someone with God's character make the business decision that I need to make that may determine the future of this company for my employees and their families and this community that I serve? How would someone with God's character love my spouse when I have lost true feelings for them? How would someone with God's character make a decision about my future career? How would someone with God's character handle the quiet, silent pain struggle that only I have right now? This is the question that Solomon leaves before his son. He says, listen, God's wisdom is more valuable than, more useful than, all these things that you could ever desire. By wisdom, he created the world that you see. Trust it, even if it comes with some pain. Trust it. And so then I ask the question, okay, all right. Then how would someone with God's character act in the situation I'm in right now? This is a big and a very hard question. And I'm going to answer it next week. We're going to try to answer it next week. We're going to try to answer how is it that we find the wisdom of God because Solomon does not leave his son hanging but he does lead him here and say to him, it is worth it, son. Before you run, before you pull back, before you go away, remember, there's nothing more valuable, nothing more useful than the wisdom of God. And if you want to know, how can you find that wisdom for the things that you face and the nuances that it takes to apply that wisdom, I do want to invite you back next week where we're going to ask and try to answer that question, how can this wisdom be found? All right, let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your word and to step back into this space with Solomon and his son and get into this challenging thought that there is nothing that I can think of or that Solomon could imagine that could be greater than, more useful than, more valuable than knowing how to work through the wisdom of God and your character in the world that we live in here. And so I I pray for us as we pursue the things we pursue. 
We're in junior high and high school, college, and um, you know, young married, middle aged, whatever it might be. That as we pursue the next phase of our life, and we're looking ahead a year, maybe six months, maybe five, ten, fifteen years of the next season. That as we anticipate the future, that you would help us to ask the question: What would someone with God's character do? in this space that I have? How would God's character be fleshed out in my future? And this is a big and a hard question, but it is more valuable than and more useful than almost anything else that we can imagine. And so I pray that you would give us grace and courage to ask the question, to seek you, to seek your wisdom and the nuance that is required to lead not just with knowledge, not just with courage, but also with wisdom. And so we thank you that you are a God who willingly grants our requests for wisdom. You are a strong, mighty God who can be trusted. We pray that you would help us to ask, seek, and find. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.